Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. on his throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe fills the temple. And Isaiah is about to be sent as a prophet of the Lord to proclaim the coming of Jesus. And the first thing that has to happen is he has to get a vision of Jesus. He has to see him. He has to see who he is. He has to see that, that he's actually seated on the throne because what he's going to ask of Isaiah is completely impossible. If Isaiah is on the throne and if Isaiah is the one that, that is going to do this in his own strength, and the first thing that happens when he sees Jesus and he sees him seated on his throne, high and lifted up, is he, he becomes aware of his inadequacy and he says, woe is me for I am a man of unclean lips. And when we see the majesty of Jesus, sometimes in that place we see our own inadequacy. And that can feel like a bad thing, but it's actually a good thing. He's bringing Isaiah to a place where Isaiah sees, compared to you, I'm nothing. I'm not, I'm not capable, I'm not prepared. He's gonna be sent forth with the word of the Lord and the first thing he says is my mouth isn't clean. But the Lord never intends for us to stay in that place. He doesn't bring us to that place to show us his, his power and his majesty and his might. He doesn't bring us there just to show us how, how ill-prepared we are and how inadequate we are on our own. It's because he wants us to come to that place of seeing him on the throne and seeing ourselves beneath him so that he can touch us and change us and send us out. It says that an angel came and, and took a coal and touched the mouth of Isaiah. And in a moment, he goes from feeling completely inadequate, completely unclean, and completely incapable of carrying the word of the Lord in his mouth to the one who responds when the question is asked of who will go. He says, here am I, Lord. Send me. It wasn't because Isaiah suddenly became confident in his own strength and his own power. It's not because of any of that. It's because he was touched by the one who, who he saw had all strength and all power, whose train of his robe filled the temple. In other words, there was more than enough for everything contained in him. And if you're up here this morning and, and you're feeling inadequate for the thing that, that God's called you to or, or something that you've been exalting above him, it's, it's just because when you've looked up, you've seen whatever that circumstance is, that's what's been high and lifted up. That's what's been exalted. That's the thing that you've been aware of and impressed by that's made you feel inadequate. So whatever that thing is, the answer is to see him seated on the throne, high and lifted up, exalted above everything. Take that circumstance off the throne. It, that circumstance is not your peace, it's not your joy, it's not your strength, it's not your answer. Even that circumstance being fixed isn't your answer because there will always be another thing. The answer is to see Jesus seated on the throne, high and lifted up 
and to let him touch you so that you see that you have the answer within you, that you carry the answer in your mouth, and that you're not going to feel adequate or inadequate based on your own strength or your own circumstances, but you're only going to feel adequate to the whatever he's called you to. You're only going to have peace in the face of whatever it is you're facing because you see him high and lifted up, exalted on the throne. So Father, right now, we exalt you. We choose, God, to see you above everything. Father, right now, I'm just asking that your spirit would come and, and that, that we would have an encounter like Isaiah where we would see that when you are exalted and lifted up in our lives that everything else is beneath you. That we wouldn't leave the same way we came. That we wouldn't leave saying, woe is me, I'm a, a man of unclean lips from unclean people. But that we would leave after being touched by you, carrying something that we believe makes us able to go and do what it is that you've called us to do. To speak into the darkness, to speak to the circumstance, to love, to, 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 to pray, to whatever it is that you're calling us to. But God, not out of a place of fear, not out of a place of, please God, you have to fix this or I won't be okay. But from a place of believing that he's already made all things new, that everything has been made new, that it really is finished because of the work of the cross of Jesus, then now we're in a process of walking that out. And we won't look with our eyes and judge with what our eyes see or what our ears hear, because our eyes are fixed on Him. So Father, for every person right now that, that has had fear, anxiety, worry, despair, depression, hopelessness, whatever it is, God, that would be trying to, to elevate itself, that would be trying to loft itself above Jesus, above you, above the Spirit of God, I pray, Father, that you would open our eyes to truth. I thank you for the freedom and the joy and the peace that comes, not just with an answered problem but with our eyes fixed on the answer to every single problem. And that you're fixing that anxiety and worry inside of us first, Father. That you want us at peace, you want us set free, you want us to be filled with joy. So that we're then anointed to go and bring that to whatever situation we're facing. Where our prayers aren't based on fear of what will happen if you don't, God, but they're based on confidence and faith of knowing that you will. And just thank you for that right now, for settling that in our hearts, God. I thank you that, that we can cast our cares upon you because you care. And I thank you, Father, that, that we would cast them and then we would leave them. That we can't, we leave our fears with you so that we can't see our fear without seeing you. That if I want to see the thing that was bothering me, that was causing anxiety, that was causing worry, I'd have to look at you to see it. And when I see you, that thing looks so small. That we would leave it there. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
you know, it's, it's not with an evil heart that we find ourselves in those positions. It's with a sincere heart. It's with a heart that cares, with a heart that loves, with a heart that is concerned and, and, and actually sometimes cares about other people more than ourselves. It's not like an evil thing that we've allowed that to have that place in our lives. It's not that, that we are like, God, I just want to live faithless, so I'm going to really just, just let this capture my attention. It, 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 honestly, it plays off the sincerity of our hearts because we do care for people, because we do love them, because we do want to see the best. We do want to see them experience what it is that we found in Jesus. The problem is, is that when we take that into our own hands, and we put the pressure on ourselves and, and we, we carry that. We're carrying something that we were never meant to carry. And so we become burdened down. We become heavy. And, and, and it honestly can consume us. And it can feel so holy. Like spending hours praying and pleading. And, and, it, and, it, and it can feel so right. But the truth is, is that if we listen to what we're saying, it almost sounds like we are trying to talk God into being good. Like we're trying to talk him into being loving and kind and full of grace and full of mercy. Rather than praying with faith that he is good, he is kind, he is loving, he is full of mercy, and that he actually cares about that person more than we do. See... If we are needing that prayer to be answered to be okay, then without realizing it, and again, not in an in a intentionally evil way, we're in that place that James talks about where he says, you have not because you ask not, or when you ask, you ask with selfish ambition. It doesn't feel like selfish ambition to want to see somebody set free, but if I'm not okay until they're okay, then I'm praying for me as much as I'm praying for them. One of us has to be okay. One of us has to believe. One of us has to stand in a place that says, I'm not going to be moved by what I see. Because chances are the person you're praying for is being moved by what they see and what they hear. And I just, like, like it's, it's, not a, it's not an evil and it's not even, I don't, I don't believe it's like an angry thing of God. I think it breaks his heart when he sees us living with an awareness of the answer for them, but not letting that first be the answer for us. And, and the, the problem with that is, is that what I have, I give. So if my peace is dependent on anything other than Jesus, then I'll only be doing good as the circumstances around me. And when things are going good, I'll feel powerful and full of the spirit and I'll, I'll feel like I can encourage everybody. But when things aren't going so good, then I'll shrink back and I'll turtle up. And I'll feel like, well, how can I even encourage them when this is going on? And suddenly this has become Lord instead of Jesus without us ever realizing it or intending it. And with well-meaning and sincere hearts, we've made something other than him Lord. Because we've said that until this changes, until that happens, until this person or that person, and we've, 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 we've placed our peace and our joy and our happiness on an event rather than finding it in a man named Jesus and in the spirit of God that's in us and upon us. 
that, that, that I actually want to talk about that this morning. I don't even know if it's in my notes here, but I was writing some stuff down on my phone during worship because I just felt like the Lord was was speaking this that that we have like un, until something has changed my life and it's true for me, I can't give that to anybody. What I have, I give. Jesus said, freely receive, freely give. I can give people knowledge. I can give them a theory. I can give them an idea. I can even be speaking the truth. And it is the truth that sets people free, but it's also the anointing that breaks the yoke. And there's an anointing that comes when we're speaking out of our life, when what we're saying lines up with the the truth that's actually transforming our lives. Because now I'm not just giving you someone else's words or someone else's theory, or even if it's the truth from the Bible, like I, I can tell people that, but there's a conviction and there's an anointing that comes when what I'm telling you is the truth that's playing out in my life and I'm speaking from what I've experienced. Um, um, the, the word, one of the disciples was writing, they said, we have seen and experienced and have come to know. Like in other words, we're not just talking about something that somebody told us. We've experienced this in our own lives. We've seen it in our own lives and because of that, we've come to know. So now when I say something to you, I'm giving you something that I actually have. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, what you freely receive, freely give. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. It's such a, a, a familiar story. But there's some things in here that I think are, are very necessary for the time that we're living in. You guys realize, like, we're living in an amazing time right now. Like, we're li- I'm telling you, like, just be open and aware. Like, be listening to the Spirit of God. I'm running into people in random places, and they're coming up to me and asking questions that can't be asked unless the Spirit of God is moving in their hearts. Like, I've had young people, young men come up to me and say, what is this all about? I've been reading the Bible, and I haven't been reading it in a long time, and I started reading the Bible, and I hear Paul in Romans talking about this, and I ask people, and they tell me, well, this, that, and I'm like, no, listen, like, one of the questions was, is what is sanctification? And one of the answers was, it's just something that naturally happens as you get older, as you're a Christian. Well, listen, hey, listen, don't, I, I don't want us to mock and ridicule, honestly, and I, that, it probably wasn't a mocking and ridiculing heart. I just want to make sure that when we, when we hear people say stuff like that, that, that we don't, because of the truth that we know, ever give ourselves permission to look down on the truth that they don't. Because most people are just doing the best that they know with what they've been given. Nobody's answering that young man's question with an evil heart. Nobody's going, how can I lead this young guy astray? They're just what they have, they give. And, and I'm so thankful for what I have experienced in Jesus because I know the truth and I can bring him to all the scriptures that talk about put off the old self, put on Christ. You know, that, that, that as we follow him, that we're transformed by the spirit of God into glory and glory, glory to glory. But, but it's as, as we're following him. It's, I can bring him to the scripture that says that, that those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
In other words, it would be weird for me to expect that God is going to reward me for not diligently seeking him, the same as he rewards someone who diligently seeks him. And that's not God playing favorites. God's made that offer available to every single person. When we say God's not a respecter of persons, he's not, but he honors his word. And so that means that he's not giving an offer to someone and not making it available to another, but it does mean that if he said he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, there's a reward found in diligently seeking him. It's him. He is the reward. It's, it's intimacy and communion with him. It's, it's getting to know, like he talks about sharing things with us. Like he told his disciples, he said, I have so much more to say to you right now, but you couldn't bear it. What was he saying? He's saying, listen, guys, I, like, like revelation comes in layers. And as you live out the things that I've taught you, you walk into more and more of me. And, and so I, I, can, I can bring him to those scriptures and I can tell him the truth. But there's something about me looking at him and telling him my life and believing what I'm saying, not because someone told me, but because I've experienced it for myself. And that's not boasting in me. That's just saying that's every Christian that's following Jesus should be able to say this. It says, and we all. Randa's trying to help me out back there. It says, and we all with unveiled faces, are beholding the glory of the Lord. And it says that, that we are being transformed by the Spirit from glory to glory into the image of his Son. If we're not being transformed more and more into the image of Jesus, it's not because God's not wanting us to. It's because there's something on our end. That's not works. That's obedience. People mix the two up. Sometimes people are like, well, you know, you, someone told this guy this. And again, with, with good intentions, I believe. You know, be, be careful when you start going down that road because pretty soon you'll be in works and striving and legalism. It's like, no, 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 no. Listen, it says that when Paul's talking about the, being born again in, the, in Ephesians, he says, for by grace you were saved through faith, not of your own works, a free gift, Lest any man should boast. In other words, nobody can brag that, that they came into this place of being born again and saved because of what they did. But then he says, for we were, for we were created for good works that he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's like, no, you can't work your way into the kingdom, but when you get born again, he has a life for you to live that, infulls, that, in, that entails a ton of good works that he prepared beforehand for you to walk in. That's not trying to earn your salvation. That's saying, I'm born again, and, and I'm redeemed, and, and the spirit of the God is upon me unto something. That, that, it's like, like Jesus said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to. To sit in my house and thank him for the freedom that I've found. To make sure that I don't try to do anything because I don't want to earn my salvation. No, Jesus was saying, listen, he's on me for a reason. It's unto something. That anointing wasn't just there so that, that I could be anointed. It was there so that I could actually bring what he's doing in me and what he's placed upon me to other people. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. And when you read that scripture, it's in Isaiah I think it's all the way down here. I think I was there. You know what's so cool? Hannah was singing, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I was singing that on the way to church. It was just bubbling up inside of me. Like, man, we have something we should be just stoked about. 
Like we're born again, we're redeemed. Like it talks about the song of the redeemed in the scripture. It's like, man, that should, that should be the thing that marks our life more than anything is that, that he thought my life was worth the life of his son and he gladly exchanged one for the other to redeem me and to bring me back into relationship with him and to fill me with his spirit. But it's not just so that I can spend the rest of my life sitting around saying thank you for that. It's so that what he's done in me becomes something that I can go and share with other people so that what he did in me can can be reproduced in other people. But it's the, it, I'm telling you, it's the anointing. And I honestly believe the anointing comes from our lives m- matching and living out the things that we're saying. What I was gonna talk about in Acts, I'll, I'll, get, I'll, I'll talk about that real quick and then I'll get to, um, to Isaiah where he talks about the anointing. You remember Peter and John go into the, they go into the, uh, the, the temple courts They go into the place where all the believers of that day would have went. And there's a man sitting there who's been sitting there for a long time, begging, hoping people will give him some money. You know, most people don't have any idea what they need. What they think they need is not what they actually need. What they think they need is something that makes today better. What they need is something that changes them for eternity. And so he's asking for the thing that will make today better, or maybe even tomorrow better, or who knows, maybe if you have a lot of money, you could make his next week or his next month. But the truth of the matter is, is if what we give them is natural, it will eventually run out. But we have a source that never runs dry. And, and, and if we don't see that the answer to every problem is Jesus, then we'll be tempted to give people something other than what they actually need. But the way we become convinced the answer is Jesus is the fact that he's the answer to everything in our lives. And so Peter and John are walking, and, and there's this guy there, and, and they, they say, hey, look at us. They draw attention to themselves. Like, I think we need to get over, like, drawing attention to ourselves. Honestly, like, it's probably time that we're not like, I don't know, I just, I don't want to say anything. I don't really want to draw attention to myself. It's like, well, you're not drawing attention to yourself for your sake. If you are, then shut up. But if you're not, if you're not then draw attention so that all eyes can be on what the Father is saying, what the Father is doing. See, it's our, it's our heart in the, matter that ma- in, the, in the matter that matters. It's like, you know if you're wanting people to look at you or not wanting people to look at you for a wrong reason. But man, they, they wanted him and they, it says they shouted, look at us. And it says they were staring at him. And, and I think one of the things when, I, when I've taught on this before that stood out to me is that it says, and along, Peter along with John fixed his gaze on him. Like so many times we don't want to see things because if we see things, then we feel an obligation or a responsibility. I remember when, when we did a lot of homeless ministry, I remember talking to some of the homeless people. And I remember, you know, some of them were scammers. Some of them just, you know, that, that's what they wanted was to make people feel a certain way to get something. They learned how to manipulate people. But some of them would sit and have very honest conversations with us. And, and one of the guys said, you know what I miss the most? Because I was talking to him. I said, what do you miss about life before you were homeless? And he said, you know what I miss the most? I miss when I used to walk down the street, people would look at me. Nobody turned their head. He said, now when people see you, you know, they turn their head. He said, and I get it, you know, I'm sure they've had reason to, but. And, and the truth is most people probably turn their heads because if they looked at him and they looked him in the eyes, they would have felt obligated to give him something. And they valued what they had more than they valued him. 
before they thought, why doesn't he get a job? Or they thought, how long is he just going to sit there? Or, you know, whatever it is. And this is not about giving money to the homeless. This is saying that, like, we can look every person that we meet in the eyes and not be afraid that they're going to want something because we know that we carry what they need. So Peter and John look at him and they say, listen, silver and gold I don't have. Why didn't they have silver and gold? Because it wasn't the answer. If, if silver and gold was the answer, they would have had it because when they had a problem that the answer was gold, Jesus said, go down, cast your, your line into the water, pull up a fish, and when you pull up the fish, open his mouth, there's a gold.